Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we talk with someone who is achieving all of those things, freedom, choice, and abundance. His name is Tim, and he is one of the team members here at Dashdot. And this is part of our Humans of Dashdot series, where we get to speak to the people behind the curtain that are making all the magic happen uh, and that are really driving the ship that is um, changing lives for you know hundreds of people across the country. So um, we talk about what's Tim's role in the business, we talk about his background as a professional athlete and professional sports person, his entrepreneurial background and his success in business. Um, we dig into things like mindset and values. We also talk about you know his really interesting journey about how he even ended up at Dashdot. Loads, loads, loads of stuff. We also talk about his um, property journey personally and what that looks like. And we covered a lot of ground. And um, Tim's an awesome guy and he's doing amazing work, but it's also really exciting to kind of get the story behind how he's ended up where he is, because that's what makes it relatable for anybody else who's going on a similar journey too. Um, we also talk about how you know Tim is actually traveling around the country whilst also maintaining a uh, a basic a full time job with Dashdot as well and, and doing loads of amazing work. So we talk about all that kind of stuff. It's an awesome interview. I had a lot of fun. We covered a lot of ground. I'm sure you're going to love it. So without any further ado, let's get stuck right into it. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. You're joining me today with uh, one of our team members, Tim. Now, this is part of our uh, our Humans of Dashdot series where we expose the people behind you know the amazing business and amazing results that we get, which is actually the business that fuels the Investor Lab podcast. So this is an opportunity for us to dig into the to the human side and see who's actually back there making it all happen. And so, as I said, joining me today is Tim Keating. He's one of our core team members. Tim, welcome to the show. Thanks, Goose. It's great to be here, mate. I've been a long-time listener, first-time guest, and I uh, <laughs> hope that I don't, uh, don't stuff it up and people stop listening to this podcast. <laughs> mate, I'm, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're going to be. I'm sure you're going to be just fine. So, there's yeah, there's an interesting story there because obviously. Um, Obviously, the way that we first met was actually you, um, I think you maybe had been listening to the podcast already, or I had reached out to to explore working with us on the client side. We'll come back to that a little bit, though, because I'm very interested digging into that because there's, a, there's some cool stories to to unpack there. But what for, for those of you who don't know, well, for the listeners who don't know who you are, which is going to be everyone, I guess, um, why don't you give us a little bit of backstory? Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what do you, what do, you do at Dashdot? Tell us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, I'm from Port Macquarie, New South Wales, sleepy little coastal town. Um, grew up there. My family ran a sleuth of businesses. Um, we had Port Macquarie camel safaris. So I grew up on a, on a camel farm with camels in the house and all sorts of stuff. Nice. Um, we had a few takeaway food shops and um, yeah, dad was out selling tomatoes in his red shirt around town and just grew up in quite a, a unique entrepreneurial family there. Mm. Um, <clears throat> spent a bit of time uh, overseas in America chasing the uh, college basketball scene and dream. Um, yeah, because you were to, you were you were a professional basketball player for a while, right? Yeah, sort of on and off for um, I guess the best part of fifteen years. Mm. Um, yeah, had a had a couple of stints uh, overseas and uh, in Australia, and then most recently was uh, sort of just working my way across Asia in the uh, the half-court 
basketball world, the three-on-three world. You might have seen it in the Tokyo Olympics. Yeah. Is that, a, is that an Olympic sport now, three-on-three? Three? It is. Yeah, it is. So, um, so interesting because they've, they've had full-court basketball in the Olympics for some time, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, so three-on-three is an urbanisation of the game and Tokyo was one of their, their main priorities was to make it more urban and, and new and hip and with it. So 3x3 got added as a, an Olympic sport and it was awesome. Amazing. Amazing. Are you kicking yourself that you're no longer pursuing that trend? You could have been in the Olympics. Well, there's a few steps between me and the Olympics, that's for sure. Definitely. <laughs> uh, I wasn't on that on that peak level with the uh, the top guys in Australia. And unfortunately, yep. Australia didn't qualify anyway because only accepted eight teams. So, yeah. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you grew up in Port Macquarie in an entrepreneurial family, lots of different stuff going on. You pursued a career for, you know, at least semi-pro or pro in um, basketball. You were pursuing that for a little while. Uh, and then and then you ended up in Townsville basically, right? So tell me a little bit, tell me a little bit about that. How'd that happen? Uh, I was living in Texas uh, in the States and um, I was looking for an opportunity and a pathway into the NBL and uh, Townsville Crocs sort of uh, had that opportunity. So I mm. snuck in there in 2008 and uh, I actually got really uh, sort of worn down physically and mentally and I, I actually quit playing after my second year in Townsville. Yeah, right. So I, um, yeah, I just sort of knuckled down and finished my uni degree, which was a, a Bachelor of Clinical Exercise Physiology. Mm. Um, took me five and a half years and four universities to graduate because I was on the move so much. <laughs> <laughs> how long, how long um, should the course have taken? Four years. Yeah. So extra year and a half because you lose credits every time you transfer. Yeah, right. Um, and then, yeah, after I, I finished up in Townsville 2008, uh, wife and I moved to Hamilton Island. We worked there as activities attendants, doing quad bike tours and golf driving range and go-karts and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I had started my actual career in exercise physiology as an exercise physiologist. Yep. Um, did that for about 10 months for a company. And then I bought that company. And uh, I then started two other clinics uh, up the Queensland coast. And I uh, sold them back a couple of years later. Uh, so, yeah, we're working on Hamilton Island as uh, activities attendants in quad bikes and go-karts and golf driving yep. range. And then I uh, moved to Harvey Bay and started my actual career as an exercise physiologist. Um, yep. After about 10 months of doing that, I bought the business that I was working for, um, started two more clinics up the Queensland coast, and then sold it back to the company that I bought it from in the first place. You must have been earning pretty good coin as an exercise physiologist to be able to buy the business after 10 months. Uh, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was commission-based, <laughs> so harder you yeah. work, the more that you earn. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, we took off overseas for about 12 months and I played a little bit in Europe. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we went back to Canada and did a, a, a ski season, returned back to Townsville again and started uh, my most recent business in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, ran that for four years and sold it in 2019. And after that, yeah, just played basketball all around the world for a couple of years. And uh, as I am now, as you can probably see for the viewers, uh, I'm in a caravan. <laughs> and uh, my wife, Tisha, and I have been traveling around Australia for coming on 18 months. So I just work awesome. remotely from uh, – it's, it's great. The, uh, the way that Dashdot is, you're allowed to, uh, you know, have freedom, choice, responsibility. Yep. And, uh, yeah, working remotely from wherever I have good internet around Australia. 
Yeah, totally. That's awesome. So, what do you so tell so for the for the benefit of everybody else? What do you actually do at Dash Dot? It's all well and good. Everyone's probably going, "What? I can travel around Australia in a caravan. I want to go and get a job at Dash Dot." And so, for those listening, we do have a work from anywhere policy, and we encourage you know the all the values we espouse of freedom, choice, abundance, all of that kind of stuff. We want that for for everyone, right? So um, that also extends to our team. But Tim, what do you do? What's your what's your job? What do you do at Dash Dot? Well, my job title is uh, quite long. But it's uh, <laughs> assistant uh, acquisition assistant team leader, relationship manager, and I can't actually remember the third part of it. But essentially, I uh, I'm the team leader of uh, a group of uh, property researchers that get out and about and find properties across Australia for our clients. Mm. Um, I just assist the team to make sure they're firing on all cylinders, and uh, I work on our off market pipeline listing as well. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so you're the, so are you the one that's responsible for you know all the properties we get for our clients? Like, how does that work? Tell, tell us a little bit about that. So, uh, well, basically, we, we work off the client's brief and, and what they're chasing. So yeah. we each get allocated um, you know clients per week, and it's our job to get out and about, uh, you know, searching all the suburbs that we're buying in across Australia to find properties that suit these clients' briefs that uh, generally exceed their expectations. Is our is our plan. Yeah. Um, so the whole group gets out and about and, and looks for these properties and I sort of, uh, you know, supervise and, and vet them before these properties get presented to the acquisition managers. Yep. Now, let's let's go back a little bit to before you started here because and I want to dig into a little bit of your property stuff as well and, you know, there's a lot of, stuff, a lot of ground that I want to cover, Tim. So when the, I guess... Why don't you why don't you tell us how did it come about for you to end up working at Dash Dot? Because there's some pretty interesting stuff there. We had some interesting conversations. Then you went and bought a couple of houses, and then you were <laughs> running across the Nullarbor, losing your toenails. Give us a little bit of that story. Yeah, I guess it's uh, it's a pretty unique one. That one. Um, so we when we sold the previous business, we had a, a chunk of capital put aside to start a new business, and that new business was going to be in international tourism. Mm. Uh, COVID happens and all of a sudden we've got a bunch of money and we don't want to risk it by, you know, putting it into a silly business venture. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few Dashdot ads started following me around the internet. I filled out some forms, watched a couple of videos, got very interested because I'd been trying to find this whole cash flow positive investment properties that people were telling me didn't exist. Yeah. And then uh, all of a sudden Dashdot pops up and I watched the video and had a couple of calls with Goose. Uh, you know, I really liked what they were doing and I was interested in pursuing it further. And I think Goose and I had a conversation on uh, a Thursday and I thought, all right, I've cracked the code. I know what I'm doing. I don't need this guy. And I, uh, <laughs> I, got, a, I got a property under contract on Friday and then I think Goose and I met on Saturday morning yeah. to, have our, to have our second call and I said, hey, I've got a confession to make. I sort of learned enough from you in that first <laughs> In our first couple of meetings, and I've actually got a property under contract. Well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad that I provided so much value to you. That you <laughs> but it was quite a funny call on a Saturday morning, which I don't normally meet with people on Saturday mornings. But on a Saturday morning, we 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 met to talk about you working with us as a client. We got on the call, and you're like, "By the way, I've I just went and bought a property." And it's just for the for the benefit of everyone listening. It was an awesome property too. Like I couldn't fault it. I, I said, what was the property address? And I had a look at it and I was actually I was actually pissed off. I was like, 
how did Tim find that property? Why didn't we find that property? Because it was in it was in one of the suburbs that we were looking in and it fit, met all of our criteria. And I actually went back to the team, Tim, and I was a bit like, what the hell's going on? This guy, I just spoke with this guy and he found this property. Why aren't we, <laughs> where did we break down? So it was quite, it was an interesting interaction. That's for sure. Yeah. So then uh, after you sort of looked at it and said, oh yeah, it's good. You know, like I think, I think you've done pretty well. Uh, he said, well, let's go again. Are you going to go again? I said, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's grab another one. We'll start the process again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then soon enough, you sort of said to me that, you know, you, you didn't think that I needed your service, yeah. um, which was very noble of you. You definitely could have taken my money and uh, I probably would have paid you. <laughs> um, but yeah, you told me that I didn't need your service and that uh, you thought that there was a possibility that we could do something together work-wise. Mm. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity and, you know, I'd been sort of unemployed for a little bit over two years at that stage, mm. getting itchy feet, and I wanted something that was Gain, mentally stimulating. Gainfully unemployed, though, right? You know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted something that was uh, you know appealing and exciting and fulfilling, and met you know where I was at in life. Mm. And uh, yeah, this role that you created for me um, has definitely blossomed and expanded, and um, yeah, the teams so much bigger than it was when I started about eight months ago. And yeah, uh, yeah just super stoked that we took that those couple of calls and I'm actually on board with the team. Yeah. What I, what I love about it is I didn't actually offer you a job, right? I just sort of said, look, there's probably, you know, it feels like there's some kind, like it feels like a good fit. I don't know where this is going to go, but hey, let's just keep in touch kind of thing. And then you were running, you ran across the Nullarbor, Right. You ran across another ball, and I remember getting a text or call or something from you, where you'd just been running across another ball, listening to the Investor Lab podcast, telling. <laughs> and I think, it, it, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but telling every telling every person that you met, oh my god, you got to check out the podcast, you got to check out Dash Talk. And I was just, I could just imagine you running across another ball, bleeding feet, losing toenails, telling everyone that you meet to 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 check out. And I just thought, wow, that's. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> we're going to do something. The funny thing is we only actually came across one other person. So it was a 100% strike rate. I told everybody <laughs> that I saw, but there was only one person the whole time. No, I did talk to other people at campsites and stuff along the way, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And why did you run across Nullarbor? Uh, just, well, I'm from Townsville at the moment. And just before we left home, our best friend, um, she got uh, breast cancer mm-hmm. and uh, had the full... Um, radiation and double mastectomy and everything. So, yep. uh, yeah, we were um, trying to raise raise money for the cancer, cancer council to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd just finished all of her rehab and everything, uh, and yep. we were asking if she wanted to come down and do it. And the border restrictions were a bit too, uh, you know, too extreme at that stage. Yeah. So uh, I ended up just doing it, uh, doing it myself. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. How was that experience? Uh, it was really good, actually. It, it sort of, um, it definitely had waves of emotion. The first couple of days, I was just running, and you know, huge road trains would go past with massive pieces of equipment on them, and you're thinking, "Wow, like this is amazing! Like how lucky am I to be able to do this? This is like, you know, to be physically able to do it, and uh, you know, to just be experiencing Australia and doing it for a good cause, and you know, just cruising along, thinking how how good it was, and then. The second day was great as well. The third day, my toes were swollen. My toenails were peeling back. So I was running 30 Ks a day. So my toenails are peeling back and I've got crazy doms and my legs are sore and I've got blisters galore. And 
yeah, by the end of the third day, I said, I can't, I can't do tomorrow. I need a break. I said to, as, as vulgar as it sounds, I had to pierce the blisters and pop the toenails and release some pressure. And then I ended up running the rest of the way in thongs because I couldn't stand wearing shoes anymore. So <laughs> how, many days did, how many days did you run in thongs? <clears throat> uh, the last, uh, it was about, I think it was two and a half days in thongs. Um, but I'm here, I'm just running across 90 miles straight and um, there's people going past going, are you okay, mate? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. And Because they can't see Tish in the, in the car because she's a few k's up the road. I've got no water bottle. I'm wearing thongs and I'm just running up the nullaboard with a fly veil on. <laughs> <laughs> and they say, you sure you're okay? I say, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I say, right <"Righto." laughs> Oh, that's awesome. I've been on that stretch road. I've, I've got good good optics on what that would look like. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> okay, cool. So you ran across the Nullarbor and then we decided to start working together um, and you've been able to um, have a huge impact on the business, but also more specifically, a huge impact on the lives of our clients um, whilst you've been able to travel around Australia, which has been, I think, really cool. And it's something actually I'm really proud of that you've been able to do that. You know, it gives us the opportunity to go, okay, well, how do we all collectively live our best lives now, not just delay our best lives to later? So I think that's something I'm, I'm personally, I, I really love about, you know, the fact that right now you are in a caravan in the middle of, I don't even know where you're at at the moment because you've been <laughs> traveling. Darwin at the moment. Right. Okay. There you go. Yeah. There you go. So I'm interested to know though, um, what are some of the, like, what are some of the things you've learned since, um, since working at Dashdolt? particularly around like properties and stuff. And I'm interested to know what, what you've learned um, since since we started working together. And then I'm also interested in how that has shaped you and your own portfolio because you're a pretty active investor as well. Mm. I mean, I don't know where to start in terms of what I've learned because it's just endless. Mm. Um, the data that we have as a, as a business um, and the access to resources that we have are just out of this world. I don't think that there would be any other organization that has access to the amount of data that we do given the data science team that we have Mm. um so trying to replicate what we do myself would be impossible Mm. um i think the resources that we have are just out of this world um i don't i can't exactly put my finger on one thing that i've learned but Mm -hmm. i guess if i had to it'd probably be location is you know 90 percent of the battle Mm. And finding that right location. And, you know, we have access to all the tools that can put us in those right locations. Mm. And if somebody's going in blind and just, and that's how I was for half a year, you know, looking around, asking everyone I know, where should I invest? And they're saying, you know, Sunshine Coast or Canberra. And I'm thinking, I don't know anything about these places. Mm. Who can I ask that's going to give me this information? So probably mm. the biggest thing would be surrounding yourself with a team that's done it before. Um would be yeah the, the the biggest thing I've learned yeah yeah and it's interesting you say about location because when you say location a lot of people think it's just suburb or region but actually as you as you would know could based because your end of where the search process is you we sort of give you say hey here are the suburbs right because we've worked that out with all the research but when we get down to actually looking at properties the street level analysis is is like is that's that's actually I think probably you know finding the right area yes but then also not you could easily buy the wrong property in the wrong street as well, right? And so understanding mm-hmm. that from a location perspective is pretty uh, is pretty fundamental, I think, too. Oh, 100%, yeah. Yeah. So how's this, how's this experience shaped your own uh, property investing growth? Because, you know, you came, 
when we first started talking, you um yeah, as as we mentioned, you bought a property and I was like, well, what, what are we what are we doing? And then uh and then you went and bought another property. Um, I might have let slip on maybe where where to start looking. And then you went and bought another property, which again was a screamer. It was a really great property to buy. Um, how's like how's your journey as an investor shaping up now? Yeah, it's actually going really well. We're about to uh, go unconditional tomorrow on uh, on another property. Yeah, um, and as we call them, uh, sort of, you know, eight well, accelerator properties that are mm. you know high yield residential. Um, so this one's a, a really good cash flow property for us. Mm. Um, and you know, realistically, twelve months ago, where I was uh, compared to where I'm going to be when this one settles. It's just two complete different worlds apart from each other. Like the uh, the amount of cash flow that we're sitting on um, as a result of the purchases that we've made with Dashdot's resources and help, um, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have Dashdot's um, you know, help, basically, and assistance with this. Mm. But um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely changed our lives for the better, one hundred percent. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And one of the things that we, just as benefit, for the benefit of the listener, one of the things that we do with all of our team is that um, when people are working with within our team, which has grown, as Tim, Tim mentioned, quite, quite a fair bit, all of our team members get access to all of our services for free, right? And the reason that we do that is because all of the things we talk about, you know, wanting to change the world, you know, helping people to create a life of freedom, choice, and abundance, this is the stuff that we want for everyone, not just for not just for you know the clients that we serve, but also for the team involved. So it's really super awesome. It's super awesome that you're able to continue to evolve your portfolio and and uh, yeah, continue to lean into that. So mate, that's 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 awesome. Um, I'm interested in uh, kind of shifting the conversation a little bit uh, now. Why why do you even invest in property? Like what what are, what are you aiming for? What's the goal for you? What's what or what does success look like for you? It's probably a good probably a good angle to take. Success for me is being able to do what you want, when you want, and winning at it. So I like, I'm very competitive and I don't do anything by halves. I just sort of go into everything gung ho. Yep. Um, And if you ask people close to me, they'll say that he just does whatever he wants. You know, like I I have an open mind and uh, I believe anybody can do whatever they want to do. You just need to ask the right questions at the right time to the right people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, success for me is just being able to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want. And, uh, you know, I'm in a really fortunate position. Um, and without sounding, you know, on top of myself, um, I don't need to be here. I don't need to work for Dashdot, but I, mm-hmm. I love it. And that's why I'm here. Um, mm-hmm. It's just a, an awesome community. And, you know, I want to work for Dashdot. I love doing what I do. Um, so yeah, that's to me, like I'm, I'm successful right now because I'm doing what I want to do. I'm in, in a caravan, I'm around Australia doing what I want to do when I want to do it and with my wife who I want to do it with. Awesome. You just got yourself a pay rise, Tim. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And I'm interested to link this back. I'm interested to link this back to your, um, your entrepreneurial journey, right? So you grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Now, a family of business owners who had multiple different ventures, you then went and did that yourself as well, right? So you did a couple of businesses, all of that kind of stuff. And now, now you're, you know, now you're working with Dashdot and it's awesome. So I'm interested to understand like how your 
or what lessons you've learned from entrepreneurship that have maybe shaped as part of your property journey or anything like that? Because there's a lot of challenges, a lot of personal habits you have to build up to be successful in business, of which you were successful in business, then sold the businesses. So you've obviously done something right. And I'm interested in kind of linking this back as well, maybe to your um, professional sports career. Like what, what, you know, mental habits or like everything you talk about doing. So being a professional basketball player, starting and scaling two businesses and selling them, running across the Nullarbor, all of this kind of stuff. That that's a that's a mental game, right? So mm. what what can you give me some insight into how that works for you? Like what habits have you developed around around mindset or how do you how do you have so much resilience or how do you stay focused? Give me give me some optics on that. Um I guess most of my habits uh, look, my mum was a triathlete as well. Mm. So I got a lot of um, work ethic and, uh, you know, like a training mentality driven into me as a kid. Yeah. Um, I also had a particular coach called Stephen Jackson, who's an Ironman and just a, he does these ridiculous ultra marathons. Yeah. Um, and he used to be my, my personal basketball coach. And he cut me from the under-16 state team in New South Wales at the, uh, at the last cut. And I said, why did I, you know, why did I get cut? And he said, oh, you know, you got cut because of these reasons. And he said, but you've got more potential than those guys that got in ahead of you. They're just better than you right now. And you need to put in the work to, you know, to get better than them. So you can be better than them. You just have to outwork them. Mm. And he used to rock up to my house Christmas Day, birthdays, Easter, Boxing Day, New Year's Day every day that other people weren't training. So that was my chance to get ahead of them. Mm. And I sort of took that mentality into my professional life as well, where if, if you're outworking somebody, sorry, if, if other people are resting, that's your chance to outwork them. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a big part of it. But then I think also it's surrounding yourself with the right people in your team that have done it before, that know what they're doing, that you can ask the right questions to. Mm. So I think I've been successful in sport and in, I mean, sport is a hell, a hell of a lot of it's on your own shoulders. But yeah. in business, you have the ability to rely on other people and ask the right questions to those people um, mm. to give you the information that you require. So I think I've just been uh, sort of lucky to have a great team that I can ask the right questions to. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that. So, yeah, because success isn't built alone, right? You've got to have a team of people that you can, you know, get guidance and advice from along the way and to shape that up. But it does come down, you have to have a solid work ethic because you can get all the advice in the world, right? But if you don't have the level of resilience and commitment and tenacity to be able to see all that kind of stuff through, then it, you're not going to get anywhere. So it's a, it's kind of a, a, a double punch. What are some of the, what are some, maybe, what is, what is the sum of or maybe the biggest failure that you've had along the way that has shaped the journey? Biggest failure. Hmm. Or any kind of like sliding doors moment where, you know, that sort of set you off on a different path or anything like that. Because there's usually something. I guess, yeah, I guess there's a sliding doors moment. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's probably a couple. Probably the biggest one and like, like sport has completely changed my life and has hmm. – I've learned so many lessons from sport that are relevant to every other different aspect of my life. So I think the biggest one would have been I was in grade five and I went to the movies with my dad and I was a bit of a, 
you know, like a farm country kid. I didn't really know where I fitted in. I didn't play in any sports teams. I just had a motorbike and I played with camels and tried a bit of this and a bit of that. Mm. I went to the movies with dad and I watched Space Jam with Michael Jordan. <laughs> and I, instantly I was like, whoa, I love this guy. I've got to, I want to be this guy. This is me. This is what I'm doing. And I just went and signed up for basketball and then that just developed from there. And from that moment, I was just 100% locked into that. And I guess I just learned so many lessons about, you know, teamwork, mateship, resilience, work ethic, um, all that sort of thing throughout my my junior sporting life that I've taken into adulthood. Yeah, nice. Nice. I love that. And I'm just thinking through, I'm thinking through your journey and I'm like, okay, cool. It's all starting to, the tapestry is starting to fill in. At what point did you actually specifically get interested in in real estate investing? Um. I've always had like an inkling to do it, mm. um, but the time for me wasn't right. Um, I didn't have the knowledge, the know-how um, to get into it earlier. We bought our first house in 2013, mm-hmm. and that was just our owner-occupier house. Um, that was yep. in Townsville. Um, we, we renovated it um, to suit our own needs. We didn't renovate it to add value to it and flip it. So when it came time to sell it, we, uh, we spent 70 grand on a reno and we sold it for 10 grand more than we bought it for ten, five years ago. So we, <laughs> we, did, we lost about 60 grand and five years of our lives, but that's all right because we, we weren't doing it for money. We're doing it because that's what we, yeah. you know, that's the house that we wanted to live in. Um, and then, yeah, then we bought our, uh, our new principal place of residence in 2017. Yep. Um, and we knew when we bought that that it was a terrible financial decision and it was just a straight up, we're doing it because we want it, we love it, and it's our dream house, and we'll probably own it forever, mm. um, knowing very well that uh, it wasn't the best financial choice. Um, but I didn't, we didn't really mind at that stage because the, the business was doing well and we, were, you know, we had quite a high uh, earning potential. Yeah. So investments were not at the forefront of our mind, but definitely in the last uh, probably 18 months is where that property investment things really come into play because we uh, we couldn't start the business that we were we were hoping to start. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, if I remember correctly as well, one of our early conversations, uh, you were talking to me about your principal place of residence, uh, and you you implied that uh, it wasn't a good financial decision and it was probably wasn't going to grow and all, all of this kind of stuff. And I do remember sort of saying, "Well, Tim, I don't know. I don't know. Keep your eye on it. I think you might be in good nick." And that, yeah, I think that's that's I think that's that the the um the prediction that that was gonna were, was gonna go kind of kind of came true. I think didn't it? Yeah, it did. We had a valuation the other week, and it has it has gone up, which is great. Yeah, that's good. Um, and we've got tenants in at the moment, and it's cash flow positive, so we're uh, you know we're happy. Awesome. Traveling around Australia, you're better off in a caravan, paying barely anything to stay wherever you are, or free camping, mm. and you know having a principal place of residence, making us money on the side. So that's great. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Sweet. If you could, if you could wind back the clock ten years, right, and go speak to your ten years younger self, what advice would you? What advice would you give yourself? Oh, squat more often and look after your knees. That would, that would be it for sure. Ice. Make sure you ice after you train and play, <laughs> and squat whenever possible. Why squat? Uh, Save your back. St- oh, it just helps your knees so much. Yeah, um, building your quads up, you know, get those. Oh right, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, oh. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that that would be the first thing I would say to myself. 
<laughs> good good, um, good advice squat more yeah. but i guess just uh just be present and uh yeah enjoy the moment uh as well as seek passive income <laughs> the earlier age you know the earlier age you can do that the better off you're going to be in the long run yeah it's an interesting one right right so here's a here's a hypothetical or a philosophical kind of question for you because uh, intuitively, intuitively, we all want um, to be able to make hands-free passive income so we can go do what we want, no frills, sail around the world, travel around the, the country in a caravan and not have to worry about where the, where the money's coming from, right? But how do you position growth versus cash flow in your mind on a philosophical basis? You know, do you think it's more important to go for passive income straight away or do you think it's more important to go for growth early on? Because I think part of the reason... You know, you know, you've had some success in business, so you generated capital, so you got growth, right? Basically, right. If you were to go back to it, if you, if someone was say twenty years old and they've got all the earning potential in the world in front of them, and if they're just starting out their journey, do you think it's more important for them to focus on growth or cash flow, and why? The answer, as always, is it depends, and it yeah. depends on various factors. Um, oh, there's no, there's no right answer here. There's no wrong answer, yeah, because everyone's individual situation is going to be different, but. It's always going to be a combination of the two. If you can have a cash flow positive property, mm. growth as well, and you can do a value add down the track. Maybe your serviceability is going to get capped at a certain point. You yeah. can then go back, add value. By the time you've done the value add, maybe there's a bit more equity that you can leverage, or you know maybe they've paid themselves down a bit and you've got more uh, more borrowing capacity again. But yeah. yeah, I think the answer is both capital growth and cash flow is always the best way to go. Mm. Um, there may be certain instances where prioritizing for cash flow is is beneficial towards the latter end of your journey. Yeah. Um, but I would say always both from, yep. from an early age. Uh, Tim, I want to ask you, if just walk with me here and go on a little bit of a journey, right? So imagine that it's your last day on earth, right? Many, many, many years from now and you've accomplished everything that you've ever dreamed of. But for whatever reason, you have to take all of your all of your worldly belongings, everything like that's all going to disappear at the moment that the moment that you pass away, right? Uh, so you can't leave anything behind. But the only thing you get to leave behind is three simple truths, three lessons that you want to leave the world. What would your three truths be? Okay. Um, I would say right now. You're the oldest you've ever been and you're the youngest that you'll ever be. You can't change time, but you can live in it. So exist in the present and forget about time because it's the only thing that you can't change. That'd be one. That's awesome. Um, I'd say you can have anything you want if you ask the right questions to the right people. So literally anything that you can think of if you surround yourself with the right team and the right environment, I think you can have it, provided that there's a, you know, a desire to do so. And the last one is probably a, a mindset that I like to, to take into things without coming across arrogant or entitled, but expect to win in any situation. So you always should expect to win, not from an arrogant standpoint, but from a preparedness standpoint. So you need to... Make sure that you've done research, training, um, you've, you've prepared yourself and you're ready. Um, you've learned from your losses. And at that point, when you've got all those things under your belt, 
you can walk into any situation prepared to win. That's I love my that. three. Those those are those are three solid truths. They are they are <laughs> awesome, man. I, I I love that. That's so good. Thank you so much for sharing. Okay, and kind of final kind of kind of question or questions, I guess, is what advice would you have for someone who's thinking about working with Dashdot as a client? That's the first question. And the second question is, what advice would you have uh, for someone who's thinking about working with Dashdot or wanting to become a p- part of a team at Dashdot? Okay, for a client, <clears throat> yeah, I would say um, lean in on our resources, mm-hmm. um, ask as many questions as possible, surround yourself with the best team possible, trust the process, um, and I guess let it let the process just run its course and. It, it may take a, a little bit of time, um, but you know, at the end of the day, you're better off waiting and uh, and going through with everything properly, making sure all the due diligence is done. Uh, then you are, you know, doing it on your own and potentially having a, a, a bad property for, for the long haul. So, yeah. I mean, that's the advice I give to a potential client. Um, for a person that's thinking about working with Dashdot. Um, I mean, I, I can't think of any reason not to work with Dashdot. I love it. The, the culture is amazing. The freedom is amazing. Everybody gets, you know, choice and responsibility and trust and um, just an amazing culture. So if anybody is on the fence and thinking about it, don't be, you know, don't be put aside by uh, any of your fears. It's a, an amazing place to work and I would recommend it to anybody. Awesome. Awesome. Great insights. Thanks so much, Tim. Mate. Let's leave it there. It's been it's been really good to to dig into. It's been great having you on the show finally because I know you've been you've been listening to the show for for some time. So it's been really great to to have you on and dig in and and see some of that backstory. And it's really cool to to link some of the the mental game that you've you've developed through sport and business, and you've been able to apply that now and then, and obviously build your own portfolio too. And mate, it's been awesome. Any last words before we wrap it up? No, I'd just like to make sure that everybody continues to listen to this even after after this podcast. <laughs> uh, I apologise in advance for anybody that's wasted the last 40 minutes of their, of their day. <laughs> no, 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 it's going to be good. I think I, what I would love, if you're listening to this episode, give me some feedback. Send me an email, hello at dash.com.au. Let us know what you think about this episode. I'm going to pass your feedback on to Tim. So Tim will get your feedback as well. Uh, and that'll, that'll probably put some of his concerns to rest. That'll be awesome. Tim, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, Great to be here. Thanks, Goose. See you soon. Bye.